Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Uh, Let's go to uh, Colossians today, chapter 1. And uh, the Lord, I, it used to concern me when the Lord would change my message on a Sunday morning because I had prepared all week for what we were going to minister, and it's relevant. Uh, We've been ministering on being anointed for authority, and uh, we'll continue with that as we move forward. But uh, in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, the Lord began to deal with me about this subject today of being found in Him, being found in Him. And there are vital truths, vital truths about redemption that in any church body, in any group, they have to be visited over and over again. Uh, You know, I learned years ago as a pastor that I'm not so concerned about am I preaching something new as I am concerned about are you getting what you're supposed to be getting, right? Because it's it's not something new. Uh, It's are you getting what you're supposed to be getting, all right? Uh, that, that is so important. You know, uh, when I was uh, growing up in school, uh, they, something came out called new math. It wasn't new to me, it's still Greek. Right? Now, I, I don't know that I ever understood the complete concept of new math, but here's what I have come to understand. The basics of math has not changed. One plus one equals two. How many knows if you don't come to understand one plus one equals two, you'll never be able to comprehend X times Y equals whatever. Right? Right? Is that right? If if you don't learn A, B, C, D, E, F, G, how many letters are in the alphabet? If you don't learn those three little 26 letters, you can't put a sentence together, you can't read, you won't be able to communicate because you never learned... The ABCs. Is that right? So you can put a book down in front of a child and ever how large the print is or easy it is to understand, if they have not learned the alphabet, they don't know that A is A and B is B and D is D. It's, It's gibberish. And so then they go to school and they start learning ah, ah, apple, b, b, ball, Right? Amen. My house is full of lots of those kind of songs now. And you got a four-year-old, right? But my point is, my point is, now she's understanding what, what they call sight words. Right? Sight words. But, and, can. Little three-letter words. She'll go, that's and. Well, you know, it's, it's not so much that she can really read. But it's, that's, that's a word I know. That's A, N, and D. How did she learn that? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The basics. Is that right? The foundation. 
you can't grow in God if I don't understand the basics about God. And the basics of redemption, the basics of being found in Him. That is one of the most important statements in the entire Word of God. Is that I'm found in Him. In other words, the wholeness of your being can only really be defined by who you are in Christ. If you see who you are in Christ, you cease being a man, a woman, you cease being black, white, Hispanic, or whatever other nationality there may be, you cease being that and you, be, and you become what the Bible says you are in Christ. Amen. The answer to racial reconciliation is not one party or the other bowing down to the other party. The answer is letting people find out who they are in Christ. And once you find out who we are in Christ, the racial divide is broken. Amen. Glory to God. Does that make sense? And so I've got to understand that. The way you think is how you're going to see things. And then that's how things are going to be. And that never changes. Think, see, and be. That never changes. If you want to change what, you're, what, you're, what you are, you have to change what you're seeing. And in order to change what you're seeing, you have to change what you're thinking. Amen. All right? That's so, that's so important. There are people that think I'm a failure. There are people that think I can't. There are people that think it's impossible. Well, they think that way, then they see it that way, and it is that way. Jesus said to the believer, nothing is impossible. Jesus, uh, uh, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, with men this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Well, he said that to a, a, a little 13 to 16-year-old girl that wasn't even born again. I, I know that, that goes against some religious things, but, you know, Mary wasn't saved. Not till the upper room. <laughs> but, but the point is, he said that to a young girl that was not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and he was saying that to a young girl that was a virgin, and he was saying, you're going to give birth to a child without the aid of a natural man. And Mary said, oh, be it unto me. Well, see, there's a lesson there. What the Word says about you is what you are. And then your response is, be, be it unto me. And I'm starting to think like the Word and not like the world. I'm thinking like the Word and not like my family. I'm thinking like the world and not like Grandma taught and everybody else bought. Amen. There are people on the sound of my voice. There are people in your life that have just taught you to expect hardship. To taught you to expect for things for things to be tough and to be hard because of one thing or another. You don't have uh, an education. Uh, you're the wrong color. You're the wrong gender. Uh, you come from the wrong place. Whatever it may be. Look at all the mistakes you've made. Look at the failures in your past. Amen. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. It's swallowed up in Him. 
Do you understand that? And regardless of what I have or don't have, I have been in Christed. I have been grafted into the one that has all things. Oh, hallelujah. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 is where we'll start. And we'll read a few scriptures here through verse 19. He says, giving thanks unto the Father that's made us meet or able or qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now notice some of these phrases. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness. So being delivered from the power of darkness is not a process. It's an event that occurred when you were born again and it's completed. The word power is the Greek word exousia. It means authority. All right, I'm delivered from the authority of darkness. It no longer holds any authority over me. Amen. Now, 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 now that's part of being found in Him. When I am found in Him, darkness has no authority over me. Amen. And that's why when you hear people talking about the devil and his power and his ability and what he's doing, it's evidence that they're not aware of who they are in Christ. Now, anybody in here can fail. Anybody in here can make a mistake. Anybody in here can listen to the devil. If you don't think you can, you are a fool. Amen. Because anybody can. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. (laughs) All right? Anybody can. But you don't have to. Why? Because I am not under the authority of darkness. I've been brought into the light. Glory to God. And he says, and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God. Notice the firstborn of every creature By him were all things created that are in heaven, in earth, visible, invisible, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body. Say, that's me. The church. Say, that's me. me. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father... That in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. Hallelujah. So notice, first of all, it says Christ is the head of the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. Say that out loud. Say, Christ is the head and we are the body. Say it one more time. Christ is the head and we are the body. Now, Now, here's the thing. The head is not separate from the body. The body is not separate from the head. The same blood that runs through your body runs through your head. Thank God. Amen. But Christ is the head and we are the body. Amen. That's important. Especially as we move on in this message. Then it says that Christ is the beginning. He is before all things. By Him all things consist. The beginning is not different from those who followed. 
if He's the head and we're the body, the beginning, the first, is not different from those who followed. The firstborn is not different from the thirdborn, or the hundredthborn, or the thousandthborn. Amen. Not different in the sense of parentage and lineage. Hallelujah. There are very few Christians that you will hear say God is their father. Hallelujah. They'll they'll refer extensively to their natural lineage. But the most important lineage that somehow religion has taught people to downplay it. Well, I'm saved. Well, what happened when you were saved? The Bible says you became born of God. Of, preposition of, denotes what what source, the avenue, the, the, the conduit. This is, this is a pulpit of plexiglass. Amen. You have a table of wood. It denotes the substance that that thing is made of. When I was born again, I was born again of God. People say God dwells in me. I'm of God. Not this natural flesh and blood and bone body, but the real me. The the man on the inside is born of God. My spirit is Holy Ghost wall to wall. And so is yours. Amen. That's why I have to be found in Him. You cannot be something successfully that God says you're not. But you cannot successfully be what God says you are thinking you're something else. You'll still hear people testify in church, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you're saved, that's impossible. Can't be a sinner and be saved. You're either saved or you're not, one or the other. And if you say you're a sinner saved by grace, you'll never successfully live by grace. Amen. Do you understand that? But right on the other hand, if you don't say you're saved by grace and that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you'll never live above sin. I have to be found in Him. God's the Father of Jesus and God's the Father of us. He's the Father of the church. Oh, hallelujah. Look over in 2 Corinthians 5. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. I remember when I I first heard that. uh, Minister was preaching. He was praying in his office. And and, uh, uh, he had a a picture of Jesus on the wall. And he he was praying in his office. And he looked up at that picture And he said, when I looked up at that picture, it just dropped in my spirit. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. And I had occasion to talk to him about that one time. And I said, how did did that make you feel? What was the sensation? What what did you feel at that moment? He said, I felt like I was poured out like water. Just it 
everything just went away. In Christ, I have no... See, there, there are people that, that are trying to deal with issues like pride and arrogance. There are people that are trying to deal with things like addiction and failures in their life. You can't until your identity is swallowed up in Christ. Amen. You can't. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, you know I'm, I'm struggling. I'm an addict, so I'm struggling. You know, I'm doing my best. Well, you got to quit doing your best and take his best. His, his best got the job done. Amen. Jesus took the test and scored 100. And you get his score. On earth, that's called cheating. In heaven, it's called grace. Amen. Uh, you, do you understand that? That's so important. Yeah, but I failed yesterday. Okay, but he said confess your sin and he's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're not going to help yourself beating yourself up, knocking yourself around. Look at all the mistakes I've made. Yeah, but look at how many mistakes Jesus didn't make. Quit looking at your failures and look at his perfection. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Amen. Because, because when perfection is the goal, when perfection is what you're moving towards, amen, you get swallowed up in his identity. Oh, thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Oh, glory. Let's start in verse... Uh, it's all good. Let's start in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge. If one died for all, then all were dead. All were in sin. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, don't misunderstand this. That can be talking about selfish people. You know, you're not supposed to live unto yourself. But here's what it means. You're not supposed to make what you were before you got saved bigger than what you are after you've been saved. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but I was a failure and I didn't do this. That's not bigger than redemption. Redemption changed all that. So I don't live unto that guy but unto him that died and rose again. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. If I'm born again, number one, I'm not a sinner. Mm. Now, religion thinks that keeps you humble. Now, it keeps you defeated. Keeps you living below your privileges. Sinners have no boldness. They have no confidence to enter the throne room and receive grace to help in time of need. The Bible says born again people enter boldly into the throne room. Hallelujah. Ephesians says we boldly enter in. Not arrogantly, not, not conceitedly, boldly. I belong here. Why do I belong here? This is daddy's house. I'm a child of the king. I belong in the king's room. And, and daddy, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, I repent over it, but I, I made a mistake and I'm coming boldly to receive grace to help me in my time of need. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Sinners give up and backslide. Run away from God. Well, I was doing pretty good, but I made a mistake. Well, dry your weeping eyes and come to understand you are the righteousness of God in Christ and get up and come on into the throne room and take your seat at the right hand of God the Father and be all that God called you to be. Oh, glory to God. Do, 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 do you see that? Whoo! I'm not living to myself. Wherefore, now, wherefore, we don't use that word a lot. You know, when we're talking to people nowadays, I've never heard Jamie say, Pastor, now, wherefore? <laughs> don't hear that. <laughs> but it means, in light of what was said, well, what was said, he said that, We don't live unto ourselves, but unto him which died and rose again. Wherefore, in light of that, henceforth, that means from here on. We don't know any man after the flesh. Mm. Though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now, from here on out, know we him no more. In other words, there's things I understood about him in the flesh But I'm not looking at it in the flesh anymore. Hallelujah. Look at verse 17. Therefore. Now remember, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Though we've known Christ after the flesh, henceforth, know we him no more. Therefore, in light of the fact that we know no man after the flesh, if any man. Be in Christ. He is. He what? He is a new creature. A new creation. A new species. Never existed before. See, we're going to hold that up there for a minute. Remember the phrase, you know, when you got, we call it being saved uh, uh, or born again. Here's an easy question. Before you were born on the earth the first time, you had never been born in the earth before. Is that right? You didn't exist. Amen. When your mother gave birth to you after carrying you for nine months, that's the first time your your beautiful eyes ever saw the light of day. You were a newborn baby. Amen? Amen. Why? You had never existed before on the earth. The Bible says we were born again. Born again. Born again. When you got saved, the you that came forth had never existed before. It was a brand new species that never existed on the earth before. If any man is in Christ, let him be a new creature. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. You can't put whatever dog tag you used to call yourself on the new creature. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Amen. You cannot live successfully as a new creature in Christ calling yourself what you used to be. Well, you know, Pastor, I just struggle because you know I'm an addict. You got saved, right? 
I got to say, then you quit being an addict. You became free. Right? But if you think like an addict, you're going to see like an addict, you're going to be an addict. And there's no reason to be it. But you got to stop thinking it. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. It doesn't mean that you just don't know other people after the flesh. You don't know you after the flesh anymore. Amen. Your natural genealogy is far less important than your spiritual genealogy. Hmm. Amen. Well, nobody in my family has ever done this. And they've never made it. And, 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 and you know, all the men in my family are alcoholics. But you're a new creature. Oh, my goodness, that's good news. You're a new creature. That, 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 that title doesn't fit you anymore. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but before Christ. Yeah, before Christ. But after Christ. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That all ended the day you got born again. Amen. You got to remind yourself of those things. Now notice, in Christ, He is a new creature. Old things. Old things. Old things. Well, what old things? I don't know, whatever your old things were. Old things. Old addictions. Old titles. Old mindsets. Old thinking about myself are passed away. Now, wait a minute. If the Bible says that we are dead to sin. Now, now very often, people just think sin as in uh, action. To be dead to sin is dead to the sin nature. Are you alive under Christ? Dead to sin, alive under Christ. Now, don't misunderstand. The, 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 flesh, the flesh will try to act up. But the Bible says you mortify the deeds of the flesh. Is that right? But, but, but here's what I want you to see. We'll talk about how the old man died. Well, think about this. Have you ever seen a dead man with a live addiction? If he died, did the addiction go with him? Yep. Yeah. Amen. So why would somebody say, I'm, the old man died, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, but I'm going to go pick this up that the old man had a problem with and carry it with me? You understand that? It's because they have not allowed their identity to be swallowed up with Christ. I am, and this is an easy statement to make, but it's a two-edged sword. I am what God says I am. God will hold all of us responsible for whether or not we walk and live as a new creature. 
Because there are people that struggle and they say, I don't understand. I can't quite get over this. I got to walk and live as a new creature. Oh, hallelujah. Old things are passed away. Behold, 98% of things are become new. Oh, no, it does. It says all, doesn't it? All things are become new. Now, what does that mean? All things about the new creature are new. And notice the next verse. And all things are of God. All things are become new. All those new things are of God. Out of God. What was placed in your reborn human spirit is of God. Oh, hallelujah. Who has reconciled us to himself. So God reconciled us to him. The, the problem was with man. Man broke relationship with God. And God sent Jesus to reconcile man back to himself. Reconciliation was from the God side. God made you a new creature because it was his idea. God wanted you to be a new creation in Christ. You made the choice to ask Jesus into your heart. But the whole new creation thing was God's idea. You can't work to be a new creature. You, you can't do enough. That you can't stop enough things to be a new creation. Creation, You can stop doing everything that you considered wrong or sinful and you would still be an old unregenerate sinner on your way to hell. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you became a brand new creature. You were born of God. God became your father. You became a new creation in Christ and everything changed. Amen. Now... Rather, we live that way, it's up to us. If I live that way, it's up to me. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And he went on verse 19 and said, Where, uh, uh, To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Here it is. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. David tapped into this verse, 2 Corinthians 5. He tapped into this verse in the Old Testament. And he said, the man was blessed to whom the Lord would not impute sin. How did David know anything about that? Well, do you remember when David, when, when the prophet came to David and he told him the parable? Remember the man that had a sheep, a poor man had a sheep, rich man had a lot of sheep? And a rich man's friend came to town and the rich man went across the fence and took the poor man's sheep that was like his child and killed it and had dinner. And remember what David said, as I live, that man will die. And Nathan said, huh, you're him. <laughs> right? Now that, that sermon very often is used from the hellfire and brimstone standpoint. Thou art the man. There's many sitting under the sound of my voice. You're the man. Right? Well, 
But remember something? Nathan said, you could have had anything you wanted. And you took that man's wife and killed him. Now watch. Both of those things, under the law, are stonable offenses. You commit adultery, you get killed. You murder somebody, you get killed. That's what he said in the book of Leviticus. The life is in the blood. And anybody that sheds man's blood, blood is required. Is that right? But David fell on his face. And he said, only against you have I sinned. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me and I'll be made clean. Is that right? And Nathan said, get up. The Lord has heard your prayer and forgiven you your trespass. Hallelujah. And David quoted this verse. Not, Not this verse. Paul's quoting David. But David said the man's blessed to whom the Lord will not impute sin. In other words, he'll not hold it against them. He'll not hold it to their account. Look what it said. Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their trespasses against them. Hallelujah. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. You cannot hold a trespass against someone that never did it. Yeah, but I was there. I saw you do it. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. That guy's dead. Well, you didn't die. You're sitting here breathing. No, that guy died. He died. Ever how long ago you got saved? He died. Do you see that? But there are believers that you know and I know that are living their Christian life like God's holding something against them. And they're trying to work very hard to make it up, to make God happy with them. God was happy with you when Jesus said it's finished. The Bible says God, notice when you read these verses, it didn't say he reconciled the church to himself. It says he's reconciled the world to himself. There's no anger between God and the whole world. Everybody in the world's not saved. Everybody in the world's not going to be saved because everybody won't receive this work. But God's not mad at anybody. That's why the Bible says whosoever will, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever, Whoever. Why? There's no wall between us anymore. God reconciled us to himself. It cost God his son. It cost God the blood of Jesus. It cost God everything to reconcile you to himself. But yet he was willing to do it. That's why the Bible says, Behold what love the Father has towards us that we should be called the sons of God. Hallelujah. And he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Us who? The church. That's what we're supposed to be teaching and preaching. God has reconciled the world to himself. Whosoever will can be saved. Hallelujah. Then verse 20, notice what it says. Oh, hallelujah. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now that's something else to look at. You're an ambassador. 
That would be royalty. As though God did beseech you by us. So, in other words, it's, it's like what he's saying is while I'm preaching this today, it's like God is saying this through me. What? Be reconciled to God. Then verse, the next verse, notice. Four. Now notice four. You don't start a sentence off with four. There, there's got to be a reason for the word four. For, because he's made him to be sin for us. There were things that Jesus suffered as my example. That I'll have to deal with. Persecution. People turning their back on me. Right? As my example. But there are things that Jesus suffered as my substitute. That I don't have to suffer. He made him to be sin for me. Do you see that? He became sin for me. Who knew no sin? Knew no sin. For what purpose? That I might be made the righteousness of God in him. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. The righteousness of God was not my idea. It was God's idea. And when I became in Christ, I became righteous. I became totally spotless before Him. I became the righteousness of God in Christ. I have no identity of my own. You cannot be a sinner and be right with God. People say, yep, nope, nope. You can sin and be right with God because believers miss it. They sin. But understand something. If you don't see yourself as righteous, you're going to keep sinning. You have no power over sin except the knowledge that you are righteous. All you got to do is read Romans uh, 7. And you see Paul, a picture of Paul before he was born again, before he realized that he was the righteousness of God in Christ. And he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the, thing, and, right, and, and the things that, 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 that I want to avoid, I can't avoid. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. And then he started off in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and said, here's what I'm thankful about. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Woo! Glory! Amen. Free from the law of sin and death. In other words, I'm not going to continue this six-cycle carousel of sinning and dying and sinning and dying and sinning and losing relationships and sinning and losing things. The law of the Spirit of life that I found in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory be to God. But as long as he saw himself as a wretched, miserable Unable to overcome man, he couldn't. 
That's, that's why the Bible tells us this. And, and, and please understand when I say this, I'm just going to hit on it briefly. The, Paul said the power of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law. Now the law is good and just and holy and perfect. That's what the Bible says. But Paul said if you use it right. Amen. And then what did he say? The law is not for a righteous man. Read your Bible. The law is not for a righteous man, but for the unrighteous, for the unthankful, for the unholy, for the adulterer, for the murderer. That's what it says. Amen. For the fornicator. Well, well, why, why, why is the law beneficial for them and not beneficial for me? Because I'm none of those things. The law is a mirror that showed me how sinful I was. That showed me how lost and on my way to hell I was. Paul said, I would have not known about sin if the law had not shown me that I was sinning. That's why he said the law is good and just and holy and perfect. When you, whenever you heard the gospel, whatever age it was that you heard the gospel, it was the law that revealed to you that you were a sinner and you were in need of a Savior. But the very moment, the very moment that you got born again, the Bible says that you went from having to try to keep 670 some odd sundry laws to broiling it down to these two. Love God and love your neighbor. What love is the nature of the new creation. Oh, glory to God. Am I helping you with this? This is the beginning of our identity. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. Notice in Ephesians 4. Oh, hallelujah. And verse 4. There is one body, one spirit, even as you're called, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice, one body... One spirit, one body, one spirit, one God, Father of all, above all, through all, in you all. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. The body, we read it in Colossians 2.17, is of Christ, of Christ. The body is of or from Christ. The same body. The same spirit. See, in Christ I have no identity of my own. My identity has to be swallowed up in His identity. I have to see myself more by what He says than what anything else says. Well, you know, it's just that that temper just runs in our family. You know, whatever temper it is. It seems like every nationality has their temper. It's my Irish temper. 
my Mexican temper, my African-American temper, my Nebraskan temper. Yeah. <laughs> but now, now but, but think, 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 think about this for a moment. But if I identify with Christ, he is meek and lowly, humble. What if I identify with that? There's no room for that temper. No room for that. Because my identity is swallowed up in his identity. Now think about this. There are people that will, will say things like, oh, I just have a hard time obeying God. But that was Jesus' only objective was obeying God. Perfectly pleased the Father. So what if my identity is swallowed up in his identity? Then I'm not looking for ways to disobey. I'm looking for ways to obey. If... My identity is swallowed up in his. Amen. And folks, you let this happen as much as you make it happen. You let it happen. You walk in it. It's, it's, it's not just a positive confession. It's what you are. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. My identity has to be swallowed up in his identity. So I have to identify as real, true, living, breathing sons of God. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to see something over here in John 17. Mm-mm-mm. There's some things I want you to see here. Verse 14. I've given them your word. The world's hated them. Why? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Amen. Jesus just said we're not of the world, just like he's not of the world. Right. Mm. Verse 16, they are not of this world, even as I'm not of the world. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 23, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Amen. Now, twice he says we're not of the world, just like he's not of the world. And once he says God loves us as much as he loved Jesus. It's taken religion thousands of years to mess that up. Let me remind you, God does not love Jesus more than he loves you. Amen. Remember the, the scripture we read, and it said that Jesus was the firstborn? Right? And, and I've used the statement before that before in the four Gospels, uh, uh, you would see the phrase, first uh, only begotten of the Father. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only son he had begotten. Right? But then after 
the, book, the, the four Gospels beginning in the book of Acts. He's called the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn among many brethren. Our brother. The captain of our salvation. It's important. Why? Because you're his brother. He's your elder brother. God is your father. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we have not received the spirit of fear again unto bondage, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, whereby we cry, Daddy, God, Papa. And and that adoption is not like so many people think, you know, you think uh, uh, somebody will say, you know, adopted, and we think redheaded stepchild or, you know, some, some step down. Adoption denotes choice. God loved you so much, he adopted you. And legally made you a son. And made no distinction between you and the son that was born of his own blood. Matter of fact, he says he made you one spirit with him. Ephesians says one body, one blood with Christ. Why? Because the adoption was when he saved you. But in the recreation, the new creation process, you might have been adopted, but you became a blood brother. Why? Because you became God positive on the inside. And, and, and you're not just saved from hell. You're saved to family. You're saved to relationship. You're saved into being one with Christ. We are one with Him, one with God, one with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to God. He's the firstborn. My identity is a son of God. Amen. Notice in uh, 1 John 3. Well, let's start in 1 John 2, verse 28, because that's, that's important. He says, And now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, now now notice, abide in him. Remember Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. Uh, In John chapter 8, it says, and Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you continue in the word. Well, right here he says, notice, abide in him. Abide where? Uh, Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. We don't live like we're... When you start thinking and acting after the flesh, you stop abiding in him. Now, Now you're out there living... Like you're not born again. Now people will say, yeah, but I am born again. Yeah, you are. 
but there's doors that are being opened. And, 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 and you got to keep those doors shut. And you do that by living like you're a new creature. Abide in him, notice, when he shall appear, we will have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Notice that phrase again, born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. Why? Because they didn't know Him. They didn't understand Him being the Son of God. The world doesn't understand salvation. They don't understand what happened to you when you got born again. They might see a change in you. They might see some differences. But they don't understand you were made new. That the old man died. They, they think you're just trying something new. Got on a program. <laughs> the world don't know you. Because it didn't know Jesus. But we are known of God. Hallelujah. God looks at us and says, I'm not ashamed to be called their father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Beloved, verse 2. Now are we the sons of God. Now think about that. That's one of the most beautiful statements in the Bible. We are the sons of God. Now it's female sons and male sons. Think about that. Right now, 11.42 a.m., September 26, 2021, you are the son of God. Amen. When people say who you think you are, son of God. Now, depending on what company you're in, you might want to say that out loud or not. This that I'm teaching you, this that we're teaching on, I've received more flack for this than probably anything else. And I've had so many people come to me, who do you think you are? Well, I just read to you from the Bible. Right? Think about that. They would have no problem if I stood up here and said, we're all just old sinners in the hands of an angry God. We're just one step away from judgment. Hell could open up and swallow us all up today. They would have no problem with that. They'd just weep and grab their hanky. I mean, they'd come up to me after church. Oh, pastor. <laughs> right? What, what a great sermon that was. I like that good old hard preaching. See, but what that does is that satisfies a need in the flesh. The flesh needs to be beat up. The flesh needs to feel guilt. The flesh needs to feel like there's something I can do to fix this. 
Have, have you ever just forgiven somebody flat out and they didn't know how to take it? And they wanted you to beat them up or spit on them or something. Well, do something. You know, make me feel like, you know. Well, why? Well, I mean, that's not how sons of God do. But think about that. It's the flesh. The flesh wants to feel like I'm accomplishing something. Oh, I went to church and, whoo, pastor stomped all over my toes. Ooh. You saw how close to hell I was. Well, if you're born again, hell's not even on your radar. Not going to hell. Going to heaven. That's where saints go. Well, you could go to hell. No, I can't. I'm born again. And I will not go back. Think I'm stupid? Amen. The Bible says going back is like a dog returning to its own vomit. Now, you'd look at that in the natural and go, oh, that's disgusting. That's exactly what it is when a Christian gives up their right standing with God and steps back into living after the flesh. It's disgusting. It's sickening. Why? Because they're giving everything up. I'm not talking about a mistake. I'm talking about a choice to go do something. Glory to God. And that's how you got to think. You're going to go to bed tonight and pillow your head on your pillow with the calm assurance that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that you are loved by God, that you are a son or a daughter of God. There's nothing between you and God. And if, if, you, if you should go home in between the time you go to bed and wake up, you're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus at home with your identity completely swallowed up in His. We are the sons of God. When we see Him, we'll realize how much like Him we really are. You know what it says? When we see Him, we shall be like Him. I can't see that right now. Right? When I'm driving down the road and 14 people cut me off. And you want to hold out your hand and go pick one. Right? You want to tell somebody they are number one. I know you never do that. Now, I haven't done that in a while myself, but you understand what I mean. And every other word out of your mouth on the highways, people in this town don't know how to drive. Amen. And that's in every town you go to. Every, everywhere you go, you're the only one that knows how to drive. You see, you say, you say how do you know that? Because I, I have one of those only know how to drive license too. I, I'm the only one. If I'm following you, I know how to drive. You don't. I know. Why is he riding his brakes? Why didn't he turn his blinker on? Why did he do that? What? Now, I'm using that for a reason. I am a lot more like Christ. Than I look to be at that moment. Thank God. Amen. Can you imagine Jesus? Somebody cut him off on his mule. It's, just, it's over. It's over. Pillar of salt. Your donkey travels no more, and all the legs fall off the donkey. Just 
see some guy sitting there on a legless donkey. <laughs> what happened to him? He cut Jesus off. Oh. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you understand? Well, I can't see Jesus doing that. You are more like that than you give yourself credit for. It said when we see him, we shall be like him. Now, you understand, I use that illustration because I think it's something we can all agree with. But my point is, yet it'll be so glorious that we will become even more like God than we are now. You are of God now, but you will become so much like God that you'll be more like God then than you are now. Hallelujah. Now we are the sons of God. See, there are people, and I'll start wrapping this up. There are people that, they have a problem with that. When you're just talking like you're a little God walking around. I'm full of God. I'm not God. I I, I look at at Jamie and Jeremy over here, and I've met their natural father, and they're not their natural father. But if you see their natural father, there's no question that he's their natural father. They're not their father, but their father's in them. Is that right? I'm not my dad, but my dad's in me. Because why? I am a steel. I'm steel. Does that make sense? I'm not God, but God's in me. I am of God. I am God's son. You are God's child. I have the attributes of my father. Every time you forgive somebody, you're seeing your father in you. Every, every, every time you refuse to criticize, that's God showing up in you. Amen. Every time you walk away from temptation, that's, that's God in you. Amen. But, but you know what people do? Is they don't celebrate those things and they magnify their failures. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know how I blew it. Well, you don't know how anybody blew it. You don't know how I blew it. I've told people over the years, they say, you don't know what I've done. I said, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done. I don't care what you've done. Amen. Yeah, but it was yesterday. And what's your point? Did you repent? Yeah, I repented. Then it's done. I don't need to know. Yeah, but the Bible says confess your faults. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. But I don't mean you go around confessing your misgivings and your failures to everybody. Amen. What's the context? When somebody's praying for you, confess your faults. Misgivings, missteps. But what's it say? It'll be forgiven. Is that right? I'm not trying to make you take a light view of sin or missing the mark. Those who honor God, God will honor. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's always a a part of death that will follow sin. And you can't walk in it consistently and it not affect you. It's not God's best. 
But if you sin, notice what it says. 1 John 1, 9. Right? Should, should we look at it real quick? Am I helping you at all with this? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and the Word's not in us. But notice what it says. Now, this is writing to believers. This is believers. And he said, when you miss it, what do you do? Confess your sin. But notice what's it say. If. Now, notice what it doesn't say. If we confess we are sinners. It says if we confess we sinned. That's not when you got born again. People say, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, if you'll confess your sin, you'll be saved. It's not what it says. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it doesn't say anything about your sin. Why? Because ever how young you... Listen, there are people in here, you had volumes of sin books. You, you could not have confessed all your sin. If we'd have paid you, you couldn't have. Amen? Hallelujah. Jim Molson sinned enough for all of us. I was going to pick on Steve, but I just love Steve so much. Hallelujah. Amen. All of us. Am, am I making sense? You couldn't have confessed them, but what could you confess? That Jesus was Lord. If you believe in your heart, what? That Jesus is Lord. And confess with your mouth, what? That Jesus is Lord. What will happen? You'll be saved. Amen. Then, after you're saved, if you miss the mark, what do you do? Confess it. Amen. Repentance is always the way out. Now, thank God we're not missing it like we did years on. But we might still. What do I do? Confess it. And what's it say? He is faithful and just. To do what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so what does that mean? It means sin doesn't stop me from being saved. It affects the way I view myself as righteous. God never looks at you as anything but righteous. But I can look at myself as unrighteous. When I confess it, He'll forgive it. And cleanse me from it. Isn't that good? Why? Because you're in Christ. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. And so you have to focus. If I, if I can say this in the last few minutes we have. You have to focus more on the attributes of who you are in Christ than on your failures. That's the only way that the in Christness becomes stronger than the failure. Well, if I, could just, if I could just live right here, you'll never do it in your own self. How many times have you said before, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. I'm, I'm never going to do it. I'm not. I'm, I'm never. Oh, man. Right? I taught about that one time, and you can white knuckle it. You can white, I'm, I'm not going to do that no more. You hear me? I'm not going to do that. Urgh, that makes me so mad when I do that. Oh, I did it again. Yeah. 
Why? Because the Bible says that you're going about in that area trying to make your own righteousness. I'm trying to overcome something in myself that my flesh was never designed to overcome. But when I let go, and I say, okay, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to feel that way. Then according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, remember, the Bible says that Paul said, because of the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. The devil was trying to keep the word from getting out. He said, of whom I besought the Lord thrice that this thing should be removed from me. And the Lord did not say no, like religion says. It says, the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness my power is made perfect. What's that telling you? That there are things that you just need to go to God and say, look, I can't defeat this in myself. So I'm asking for more grace. And what he say? The Woos Bible says that what happens is Paul said, power moment by moment is being made available to me. Because when I'm at my weakest, he's at his strongest. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you look at yourself as weak. You just acknowledge, I'm weak here. I can't do this on my own. And I thank you for your grace. There there are things that people fall into. And instead of going to God and asking Him why they fell into it, they beat themselves up over it. And they need to go to God and say, how did that happen? How, how How did that happen so quickly? Now, religion say, well, because you're just a sinner. That's what you do. No, that's not the answer. How did, somewhere, I didn't tap into my new nature. Oh, hallelujah. But here's what happens. I'll close with this. That's my third one, so it's got to be the last one. Here's, here's, here's what happens. The more you declare who you are in Christ the more strength you build up. Don't talk your failure. Sit around and talk about where you failed, where you missed it. That's between you and God. Somebody says, well, you know, where do you repent? If you missed it uh, privately, repent privately. You missed it publicly, repent publicly. Amen. Amen. I had a guy one time got mad at NFBIMA and blew up, blew up on everybody. Got mad something, I don't know about his grade or something, I forget what it was. Just blew up on the teacher, blew up in front of the whole class. He said, what'd you do? I met with him. I said, you're going to go back there and stand in front of the class and apologize. Repent. Yeah, but I've asked the Lord to forgive me. Yeah, but you did that in public. So you need to go repent in public. If you sinned against your brother, the Bible says go to your brother and repent. Ask him to forgive you. Well, I was just tempted. I didn't, I didn't go the whole way. Then don't worry about it. Ask God to forgive you for letting your mind go there and leave it alone. Amen. Temptation is not a sin. Eve didn't sin until she ate the fruit. 
<laughs> Amen. I had a guy one time, we were in church in a men's, in a men's group, and, and uh, uh, he was asking the pastor some questions, and, and he said that he had a problem with a wandering eye. Y'all know what that is? And, 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 and looking, you know. And he said, you know, and, and, and I don't like to do that. He said, uh, uh, you know, I'm tempted, you know, to go home and, and tell my wife I'm having trouble looking at other women. And the pastor said, well, I mean, you can do that. You may not live, but now I'm not saying don't say if you got that problem, don't say that's not a problem because then you're fooling yourself. Amen. But, you know, God can help you with that without making a mess of your marriage. Now, you got to believe God and walk it out or you'll get in something that'll hurt your marriage. I've never seen people that were quick to repent and quick to change things that failed. When you miss it, you just go before God and tell him, I missed it. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to make it more palatable. God, I missed it. I mean, you know everything. You know I missed it. And there's sometimes you go, Lord, and I wanted to miss it. I did that on purpose. Right. Now, that's the hard one. But somebody whose identity is swallowed up in Christ will have no problem doing it. Because I, 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 right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Why don't you tell your neighbor, say, I'm so glad that you have been found in Christ. Tell him, say, I am so glad that you're a new creature. I'm so glad that you're born of God and a child of God. Hallelujah.